I remember um, it's actually almost the day uh, two years ago we arrived in uh, Sheffield. Then uh, our son was five uh, months old, Felix, and uh, we'd had a farewell party uh, the weekend before, and it was 44 degrees uh, as we said goodbye to our friends in Australia. Uh, and so he was appropriately dressed in a nappy, and that's about it. Uh, then we arrived, and it was minus four. And he just gave me a look of, what have you done to me? Uh, but now he's, he's a proper Yorkshire man now, so uh, he finds a strange experience to go back to Australia. Uh, if you keep John chapter uh, 16 open with you uh, and follow along as I say, I'm going to pray now uh, as I speak to us, uh, so please join with me. Uh, Father, we do pray that you might speak to us now uh, through your word. Uh, Lord, may the words we hear uh, not just be uh, any words, may they be your words. So, Father, I pray that you might help me to speak uh, truth. Uh, Father, that by your spirit you might be applying it to our hearts. Uh, Lord, that you might be making much of your son, Jesus, uh, that we would love uh, him and love you more and seek to please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, we're doing four talks over uh, the course of this weekend. Uh, four short talks uh, on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And in your outlines, you should have it outlined for you. Strange that, an outline, having an outline. Uh, what we're going to be looking at is first talk. We're looking tonight at God, uh, the Holy Spirit who reveals. Uh, the Holy Spirit who reveals. Uh, tomorrow morning we'll be looking at the Holy Spirit who gives life, then the Holy Spirit who equips, and the Holy Spirit who transforms. Now what's going to be important to remember as uh, we look at these is they are not in themselves distinct talks. Uh, there is a, a necessary overlap in the material that we'll cover. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. As such, we can't kind of segregate or label or box uh, his work or neatly package it. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, this is an important series. Uh, not because the Holy Spirit is a, a forgotten member of the Trinity, as once could be claimed. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, going back 40 years ago, it would have said that the Holy Spirit didn't get much airtime. Uh, but the reality is, He's had a great deal of airtime over the last 40 years. In fact, it could be argued that he might have been somewhat embarrassed or maybe upset about the amount of attention he has been given. Uh, but more of that a little later. See, the fact is that too little attention or too much focus are equal and opposing errors. See, the answer to overexposure, or more accurately, the wrong type of exposure, is not no exposure, but a biblically informed exposure. And that's what we're really trying to do this weekend, is to have a biblical understanding, a biblical informed exposure of the person and the, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is the ambition, so uh, I hope that this time for you uh, brings some clarity, um, brings some excitement about the person and the work of the Spirit in our lives. 
uh, and, and that God will be glorified as we look to him. See, we want to honour the Holy Spirit as he desires to be honoured. We want to recognise him as God and respond to his work in an appropriate and a helpful manner. We do him no service by refusing to understand his identity and role and that is our desire, to honour him. By better understanding who he is and what he does, we will better understand God in all his glory as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll better understand the Gospel uh, and, and the nature of salvation, the means by which we grow in, in grace and the knowledge of our Saviour. In other, in other words, we'll better understand, as, as Pete was saying, it, at an intellectual level, but also at an experiential level, the faith that was once uh, delivered to the saints. So what is going to be asserted throughout uh, this weekend is that the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to the Christian life because without him there is no knowledge of sin. Without him there is no recognition of Christ. Without him there is no desire or, or the ability to serve God. Without him there is no opportunity to see the gospel prosper. And without him there is no ability to live a life of holiness. So if you have John 16 open with me, uh, we're going to be looking to begin with at verses 8 to 11. Uh, the spirit who reveals just to create a bit of context for you as we read uh, this section, uh, John 13 to 16 is set on the night of Jesus' betrayal, arrest and, and trial. Uh, it is a significant and defining moment. Jesus is about to go the way of the cross and leave his followers behind. So it, it's not so much that his work is over or that his task is complete. In fact, the whole point of this extended book of teaching of Jesus, he, he's laying out in what could be described his last will and testament. These are his final words. Uh, they're not more important than other things that he said, but they are hugely significant. So what John has been doing in chapters 1 to 12, he is, he's ushered in a number of, of witnesses to testify concerning Jesus. So if we were to flip back through the pages of John, we'd see the miracles uh, that we saw in John 2 of Jesus turning, turning water into wine. Uh, we, we would see Jesus feeding 5,000 uh, in John 6. In, in chapter 11, we would see Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And these all play their part in pointing to Jesus and giving testimony on his behalf. In fact, the, the purpose statement of John's Gospel is that it's, it's a witness to the identity of Jesus. Uh, if you were to flick to, to John 20, verse 31, it says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So, just as the signs or the miracles point to the true identity of Jesus, so does John's written record. Uh, it's as though Jesus is on trial and we, the reader, are being summoned are to reach our own verdict about him. The followers of Jesus who have been with him since the beginning have an important part to play also. Uh, in verse 27 of chapter 15, 
It says, And you must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. They too are to bear witness to Jesus. However, what we will see, the primary witness bearer in this whole legal drama, is the Holy Spirit. He is, in one sense, the the witness par excellence. See, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but legal dramas tend to be quite a a fascination for people, uh, whether it's in in films or if it's in series uh, or in real life ones. Like, I don't know, did you ever get Judge Judy over here? That was great, wasn't it? Real life dramas. And, 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 and as you watch these things, and particularly the movies, I mean, we don't have a synthesizer behind most of the goings-ons in courtrooms, uh, but, but it wouldn't match the intensity of, of these shows. Uh, but, we, but, we, but we love these kind of shows because part of us, in, in all of us, is an innate sense of justice. And as we watch those programs or as we watch movies, uh, it either satisfies or offends that sense of justice in us. Uh, we, we sit there either appalled or, or kind of curling up or, uh, or, or cheering and pleading uh, because we, we're on board, because see, we see that justice has been served. But legal proceedings in Jesus' day were somewhat different uh, than what we are familiar with. There were no highly trained, highly paid, paid lawyers to act for defence or prosecution. Uh, there was no jury to weigh the evidence, there was simply a judge before whom the defendant appeared and who had to listen to and weigh up the evidence as it was presented to him by a series of witnesses. So someone accused of a crime would have someone beside him who could give an account on his behalf. The witness had to be someone who knew the accused well and could vouch for him. He was a, he was a friend more likely than a professional. And what we'll see is that the Holy Spirit is uniquely qualified in that role in relation to Jesus and in relation to us in relation to Jesus as well. You see, in chapter 16, Jesus is not only preparing his followers for his departure, but more significantly, he's preparing them for their role once he is gone. See, in verse 1, if you read along, it says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. In verse 1 he explains to them the intention behind his disclosure and it basically amounts to forewarned is forearmed. In verses 2 to 4 it says they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes that you will remember that I warned you about them. Jesus is saying things are going to get pretty tough for you in the future. Uh, They will exclude you. Uh, They will even kill you. Uh, And and in doing so, they'll actually think they are serving God in the process. I want you to be ready for what you will face. And in 5 to 6, as we look on, he acknowledges their grief at this departure. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. And then we read the real bombshell in verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
What he's saying here is, I know you're heartbroken, but it's best that I go. I don't know if you've, you've heard those words uh, in real life or potentially in, in a movie of some description. Uh, they've been said thousands of times. Perhaps it's the husband as he walks out on his wife of 20 years with someone else. Or perhaps it's the, the alcoholic mother who is about to abandon her three children. The difference here is that it's true. It is only because Jesus is going to his Father via the cross that the Holy Spirit will be given. If I don't go, he won't come. And it's far better for everyone that he does. Uh, we, we should feel the impact of, of those words. Because what he's saying, so significant is the Holy Spirit in his work that it means that Jesus staying on earth is actually second best. Just sit and think about that in a moment. I mean, sometimes we probably feel like it would be great to have Jesus around, but so significant is the Holy Spirit in his work that, that, that Jesus staying around on earth is actually second best. Why? Well, the answer is in verse 8 and explained in more detail in 9 and 11. In verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The word used by Jesus here to speak of the Holy Spirit is paraclete. Uh, It was a, a legal term. It refers to a person called Uh, to be a defendant, to speak on his behalf, to demonstrate his character or to defend his honour. And and the function of this one is is called alongside to expose uh, the guilt of the world in rejection of Jesus. His task is is to parade Jesus before their eyes as the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, and convince him of their shame and hating uh, in hating him and crucifying him. And I love that, I love that kind of imagery. Uh, the Holy Spirit's role is to parade Jesus before their eyes as the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, and to convince them of their shame and crucifying him. And each of these three works performed are by the Holy Spirit, and we, and we see them mentioned in, in verse 8 to 11. Uh, the convicting of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And they're all explained in the following verses. They relate to Jesus. Uh, so what, what is it? The convicting of sin. Well, it is, uh, it's as though the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and shows us convincingly that Jesus is an object worthy of faith and confidence. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us and, and convinces us of his worth and merit. He speaks convincingly of his character, of his deeds, He bears an eloquent and persuasive testimony to the beauty and the virtue of Jesus. Jesus is the worthy object of faith and confidence. What the Spirit does is he shows us, he parades Jesus to us. See, our hearts are so dull, that they're, they're wooed by so many other things. But what the Holy Spirit does is he parades Jesus in front of us. And, and in doing that, our sin is exposed in rejecting Jesus. 
uh, we are shown to be the guilty ones. The Spirit well, would will a convicting and exposing power. It's like the Holy Spirit is a, a giant searchlight exposing the world's wickedness and calling everyone to repentance. So you can imagine, it's as if the world is having a, ro- a romantic candlelit dinner thinking everything is, is sirloin and roses and then, then wham! The Holy Spirit turns on the lights and suddenly it exposes the cockroaches running up the wall and, and the, the rubbish strewn across the floor. What the Spirit does is it kind of it, 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 surprise, it, it pulls a surprise party on us and shows us that, that we're not as good as we think we are. And the Spirit proves it to us. It convicts the world of sin. And of righteousness, well, the world had rejected Jesus and regarded his claims as arrogant and unwarranted pretensions. Uh, the world thought that he, in claiming to be God, was a fake, a pretender, a misguided nut, or at worst, a cunning deceiver. But as we read through the Gospel of John in the New Testament, we see that in his resurrection and his ascension, Jesus is vindicated and he is all that he claimed to be. He truly was the righteous man. And the work of the Spirit is to show that convincingly to the world and so expose their empty, shallow and inadequate claims. And finally, the work of the Spirit is to bring judgment. And see, what's, what's fascinating here is that sinners had had passed judgment on Jesus. Sinners had passed judgment on Christ. He'd been condemned in a court, tortured and executed by a pathetic, self-interested legal system. But it, it, it all seemed so right when Jesus was nailed to the cross. That was the final judgment. But not so, says the Holy Spirit. That that symbol of weakness and guilt was in fact a throne of of triumph and judgment. For at the cross, the devil, a.k.a. the ruler of the world, and so the world under his rule, with all of its pretensions and empty boasts, was well and truly condemned. Sentence was passed and judgment enacted. And only the Holy Spirit, that great advocate and witness, can do that work to expose and to turn around. In showing Jesus all to be, all that he claimed to be, and in showing the work of Christ to be all it was promised to be, sinners are convicted and are brought back to see their own guilt and need. The work of revelation before the gaze of the world is the key aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can adequately parade Jesus Christ before the world. It's a great way to think about it, isn't it? Only the Holy Spirit can adequately parade Jesus Christ before the world. Only he can effectively show him to be the one on whom our eternal destiny stands. And in doing that, it is only the Holy Spirit who exposes our guilt and calls us to judgment. This is the Holy Spirit who reveals. He reveals Christ and in doing so he reveals our hearts for what they naturally are. Well, mission impossible.
This was good news of great joy to the followers of Jesus. Uh, in 1527, he, he sends them out as his witnesses. They are to speak of Christ to a needy world. They are to commend their master to them as their saviour. Yet, what we see that awaits them is rejection and suffering, exclusion and death. Uh, stare them in the face. It seems a council of despair. It seems to be well and truly mission impossible, one doomed from the very start. But not so, says Jesus. Uh, that is why it is better for you that I go, so the Holy Spirit comes. Because as they go to bear witness to Christ, it is the Holy Spirit who will do the will work of revealing him and who he truly is. Without the Holy Spirit, their words of commendation would fall on deaf ears with him their words will prove to be life and blessing. Such is his task, such is his power and wisdom. In revealing Christ, he reveals our sin. In showing Jesus to be altogether innocent and worthy, he shows us our guilt and the way of rescue. And I don't know if that's true of your own experience as the Spirit's worked in you. I mean, I, I remember a few years ago we had... Uh, some friends, our, our best friends back home, we went through a, a kind of a Christianity Explored type course with them. And, and by nature of the weeks and how they kind of pan out, usually in week two you look at sin. And usually the opening question is something along the lines of, you know, you know do you think that humanity is essentially good or evil? Uh, and, and there, in, in week two, uh, our friend, she, she said, Oh, I think, I think we're good, giving people the right opportunities, uh, the right experiences, the right education. Uh, we're good and that is fostered and promoted. But by the end of the, the weeks that we met, uh, she saw herself exposed. She saw her guilt. Uh, she saw that actually by nature we're, we're sinners. We stand under God's right judgment. How is it that in, in a few weeks uh, someone can can move from swinging from thinking that you know, they're inherently good to suddenly recognising uh, their need and their sin and their bankruptcy before God. Well, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a, it's a marvellous work. It's a painful work, nonetheless. Uh, why? Because it makes much of Jesus and what he's done uh, and, it, and it makes us stare right into our own hearts and the evil that's within them. But without him we would be blind and insensitive to Christ and his work. We would still view him as a first century wandering teacher in Palestine. We would still have no interest in him, no love for him. Without the Holy Spirit we would be insensitive to our own guilt of rejecting God's son and servant and heading for an appointment with the judge of all the earth himself. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals Christ, who exposes sin, who shows us our guilt, who shows us our worthy judgment. But what does he do? Well, he parades Jesus in front of us and shows us our great salvation. It is his exclusive and sovereign task. So how, how do we respond? I mean, this is, a, this is a shorter of the four talks, which probably falls well uh, being almost 10 o'clock at night. But let, let's just think about this. It, the, the revealing work of the Spirit. 
Well, it gives us confidence in the task of evangelism. See, in the end, evangelism or or apologetics, so defending the faith, is not so much a matter of the intellect as it is a matter of the heart. Uh, The Spirit works to to transform hearts, to show truth. Uh, Does that mean we don't try and persuade people lovingly and answer the questions? Well, no, of course we do. Uh, We seek to do that. Uh, We inform the intellect and, and we reason with people. Why? Because it's a reasonable faith. But in the end, even if people are intellectually persuaded, their hearts may still be hard. It's, it's the Spirit's work to reveal truth. So this afternoon I was sitting uh, in my living room. Uh, there's a, a guy who's been coming along to um, our gospel community. We've been going through a, a Christianity Explored type course. Uh, and as I sit there and I speak with him, uh, you know, the, the, the anxieties that can go through our heads, and I don't know if you've experienced this, is, you know, you worry about saying the right thing. Or more often than not, you worry about saying the wrong thing. But I need not worry. Why? Because it's the Spirit who reveals. As I said, does that mean I don't try to answer these questions and find out uh, helpful ways in which I can sensitively present the Gospel to him? Absolutely not. But it does mean that I can, I can speak truth boldly and be confident that it's the Spirit who reveals truth. It's not my ability. And it's incredibly liberating for us as we think about sharing the Gospel with people. Uh, it's the Spirit's work to reveal. But the Spirit is the one, and we'll see this in the next session, who brings life. And he does so by exposing sin, by, by showing how bankrupt the things that we worship and value are, by parading how great Jesus is before us. And it's, it's such a, a great way to think about it, isn't it? You know, human beings are, are things that we, we attach our affections to so many things. Uh, we think that things can, can make us happy. We think that in things that we will find fulfilment and we, we attach our affections to all these things. But when the Spirit moves in us and parades Jesus and what he's done for us, they just seem so unworthy of our affection and our worship. The Spirit parades Jesus and all that he has done and what do we feel? Well, we feel exposed. We see our own sin and we see how great a work uh, it is in what Jesus has done for us. The Holy Spirit reveals. But it also gives us confidence uh, in the task of gospeling one another. And what I mean by, by gospeling is as we seek to encourage one another, pass one another, disciple one another by speaking the good news to one another, uh, we can be confident that as we do that in, in our flawed and faltering words, that God will use those opportunities and times to expose sin and, and to bring the fruit of righteousness that comes in following Jesus. So in, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 15, if I can get there quick enough. We read, instead speaking truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Or if we move to, to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, we read, 
See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened to sin's deceitfulness. For we have come to share in Christ, if we indeed hold our original conviction firmly until the end. See, as, as we speak the good news to, to one another, the importance of community uh, in that task is, is so vital. Uh, the Spirit works as we seek to apply God's word to one another's lives throughout the week. Uh, so what is important is that as communities we are people who are speaking truth in love to one another, uh, seeking to remind each other of what, uh, what, what it is God has done for us in Jesus. And in doing so in the midst of life, that the Holy Spirit will be at its work of revealing and exposing our sin and pointing us to Jesus. Now that's a, that's a painful work and it's a hard work. Uh, but it's a wonderful work that the Spirit does because it brings more glory to God and we can be very thankful for that. Uh, but that happens in the midst of community. Uh, so I, can I encourage you to, to take confidence that the Spirit reveals uh, in terms of sin, righteousness and judgment. That gives us a great confidence as we share the Gospel. Uh, it is the Spirit who will bring life. Uh, but the Spirit is at work amongst us, His people as well in exposing sin, in pointing us to Jesus and what he has done for us. Uh, and that's a wonderful work too. Why? Because it's making us more like Jesus, which we'll look at in the next coming uh, talk as God transforms us. Let me pray for us as I finish. Father, we thank you uh, that through your Spirit you reveal sin uh, to us. Father, often that is a hard and an ugly thing to come to terms with, uh, the ways in which uh, we have attached our affections and worship other things rather than the thing that is truly worthy of our worship, uh, which is you. Uh, we thank you that the Spirit shows us Jesus uh, to be the righteous man, the one who through his, his, his cross, uh, his resurrection and ascension has, has shown to be worthy of overcoming sin and death so that we can be right with you. And Lord, in that revealing work in our own hearts, we praise you that we are adopted into your family and called your children. And Father, we pray that uh, this truth of the Spirit's revealing work uh, might give us confidence as we speak uh, the truth in love both to those who don't know you. Lord, help us to speak uh, of Christ. Uh, Lord, may your Spirit be at work in exposing sin uh, Lord, and, and, and bringing down uh, the word of, of judgment that, may write, that they may run to Jesus and what he has done for them. But also in the context of our communities, Father, we pray that you might be shaping us to be more like your son. And Lord, that your spirit might be powerfully at work in revealing and exposing uh, those things which uh, are not of you, uh, those things in which we struggle with, which are not bringing you glory uh, and and gradually shaping and transforming us to be uh, the people you want us to be. We pray that you might be powerfully at that work. In Jesus' name. Amen.